Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining me. Love. All we need is love. All we need is love. All we need is love. But we do. But do you associate love with business? Now, that's a very interesting concept. Do you equate love with your business? So if you think about the broader definition of love, compassion, empathy, support, care, affection, generosity, gratitude, whether it's really business or or non-business, it's really broadening out and being more compassionate about the people that you work with, the people in your life. Well, interestingly enough, on my show today, I have Bruno Signacco. He is a authority when it comes to love. Now, not the love we're thinking about. Don't get, get that out of your mind. We're talking about love when it comes to empowering employees to want to work harder, to want to be more involved, to want to feel like they are achieving in your business. He is a best-selling author, an international speaker, tons of books that he's written. He actually even lectured at the University of of the Polytechnic, which is called Westminster uh, Westminster University now in downtown London uh, off of Regent Street, where I actually went to school. And uh, and he was not my teacher because he's a little younger than I am. But it's a great and interesting principle that I think is going to help change, maybe give you different perspective as you're thinking about this today. It's it's a really interesting conversation. I hope you stay tuned because it really makes you think a little bit different about not only about your employees, about your vendors, about your partners, about both in and outside of business. So all we need is love. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Your strategic plans are essential to managing your business's growth. Spend the time to develop a cohesive roadmap to follow to ensure your entire team is moving in the right direction. These plans should take the insights and the brand strategy work you've already completed to help you achieve your long-term business and growth objectives, as well as keep you competitive. These are actionable plans and should include the details of achieving your growth, including tactical implementations, timelines, budgets, and KPIs for success. Developing your plan is a team sport. Make sure you include the stakeholders from each of your strategic departments in your organization because everybody in the company is impacted by the success or failure of your plans. The following are six key questions to ask yourself. Do you have a clear understanding about what you're trying to achieve? Number two, what does your brand stand for in the eyes of your customers? Three, why do your customers buy from you? Four, what are your competitors doing? And five, What is your approach to sales? Where are your opportunities for revenue coming from? And number six, how can you differentiate yourself from your competition? Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned today, I'm with Bruno Signacco. We are going to be talking about love and how it can help impact your growth in your business and make everyone want to work harder, feel more welcomed and more loved. Bruno, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for your invite. I feel very honored. Thank you. 
Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm excited. I mean, this is going to be an interesting conversation because um, really it focuses around love and and how we can move love to influence business and do a lot of other things. So it, as we talked in our kind of a pre-show a, a few weeks ago, it, it's really interesting and in, in how you've taken this content, the context of love and how you've really uh, embodied it into how businesses can improve. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but to help put things in, in content or context for my audience, why don't you take a few minutes, explain who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into the show. Thank you very much. Well, I'm a professional uh, speaker. I, sp I speak worldwide and also I'm a consultant in international marketing and also in social entrepreneurship. I'm also a lecturer at different universities in the UK. I'm based in London. And also I'm a researcher on business topics, different business topics. My new book was on a social business uh, or what we call compassionate business. Okay, fantastic. By the way, do you ever lecture at the uh, Westminster University and uh, Regents? I gave a talk last year in Westminster University, but I'm, I haven't lectured there, but I gave a talk for uh, the department of psychology there and the people it was about compassionate business and people were very delighted with my talk this was uh, the second part of last year yeah yeah it's okay. very 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 good team so i actually went to school there okay okay and at, at the time it was called the polytechnic of central london okay and, and i was in london in 13 i think 2013 and so i was excited to go back to the university and now you know then i noticed it was called westminster but i walked into the into the entryway and standing there and all those memories started flooding back and i wanted to yell out to the kids hey i used to go here i'm a classmate of yours but then I, they probably figured out some creepy guy so i didn't want to do that <laughs> it's a very good university they have a, a new campus in near baker street baker street in north london very very good university it's one of the the, the most well ranked here in the uk oh fantastic yeah it was a great experience um, I can honestly say, though, my grades did suffer because I spent more time traveling around to France and Germany and, okay. uh, and the Netherlands at that time and instead of spending it in school. But it was uh, for me, it was an incredible experience, and I, I'm glad I got a chance to do it. Very good. Very good. So I want to start off by just some questions I always like to ask my guests. And, and you do a lot of things. I mean, you're a, you're a lecturer. You're a teacher. You're a marketer. So I'm going to you can pick which one you want to focus on. But when you think about growing your business, right, because as entrepreneurs, that's something we always think about. What keeps you up at night? What you know, as a as a businessman, what are those struggles or, if you will, that keep you up at night thinking about growing your business? Well, something that keeps me up at night is try to look for companies that can be developing business projects and can be both profitable and can be human-oriented. I can comment about my, my last clients. My last clients, uh, fortunately, I have chosen them because they are companies that have the potential not only to focus on improving their uh, business, to become more, more successful, to become much more thriving, but at the same time, they can be focused on what we call the triple bottom line, which means caring for profits, which are very important, caring for people, individuals like customers, suppliers, and employees, community members, and also caring for the planet. There is a new generation of companies, fortunately, that are 
taking up this new trend what we call conscious capitalism or conscious business and this is very important because companies tend to focus only on the business part of a business activity but they forget the human part of business activity what keep me up at night is that i'm looking for more companies to catch up with this trend trend of conscious capitalism trend of human oriented enterprise the trend of compassionate business okay you know it and for me of course in, in any business you have to have profits in order to to survive and certainly we see a lot of environmental changes and, and, and more businesses either giving back or doing something. But today's conversation, I think, is going to focus around that people aspect, right? We always can say without customers, you know, we have no business. But I like to say if we if we don't treat our employees right, we don't have, you know, those employees that are feeling that they've been treated correctly and, and, and are impassioned to help the business grow. I don't care whatever else you have nothing else is going to work, right? So employees are, are so key in, in everything we do. So true. And I will say not only employees, but also customers, community members, suppliers, business partners, the media, the government. We call these stakeholders, individual and group with interest in our organization. Why they are so important? And you are so right. Because we are reliant on human beings. The building brick of any business activity is the human being. If we do not care for the human being, Will be, we will be unable to achieve all these key performance indicators such as profitability, productivity, efficiency. Why? Because these indicators are the natural result of the interaction between the company and these stakeholders. So when a company develop win-win agreement with all these stakeholders, when develop long-term relationships that are mutually profitable, this company is more prone to achieve these indicators. Many companies focus on the indicators and they dismiss the relationship with these stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And this is counterintuitive, but by focusing on the relationships, because any company is interdependent with other stakeholders, no company can thrive on its own. When we nurture this relationship, these uh, key performance indicators tend to be achieved naturally, organically, I would call. But this is important and many businesses, what I observe in the last few years, are catching up with this trend. But many companies are very traditional and focus only on can, what can be counted, what can be measured. For example, profits, market share, sales, what can be measured very precisely. And this is not bad, but we have to focus also on qualitative aspect of business, what cannot be measured, what cannot be counted, such as companionship, camaraderie, loyalty, commitment. These are important aspects, as important as the quantitative aspect of business. So very, very important. Yeah, it, and, and you know, we tend to a lot of times think about employees, but to your point, it's really about the people that we work with, not only the, the your vendors, your partners. And so, I, you know, we, we talk about customer centricity, right? Customer focus, customer first. But it really is about everybody we deal with first because you can have, you know, let's take an example, right? You're, you're treating your customers well, you're treating your employees well, but you treat your vendors poorly and that that throws everything off balance. So it really is a, a um, kind of a cohesive community uh, of that, that businesses have to consider. And, and then before you answer, one other thing is to me, this starts at the top. Right. It starts at management and pushes down. So let's get your perspective on all of that. My perspective is that it started at the top, but also kind of start bottom 
top. So both cases are correct. The approach is if you're an employee, you can make your contribution as an employee. If you're a CEO, obviously you are more likely to make a bigger contribution. But you, you can start anywhere where you are. I want to say that uh, you are so right, and this is interdependence. The famous Stephen Covey observed that no company can thrive by itself. No company can thrive on its own. I want to paraphrase a famous philosopher that observed no man is an island. I will say no company is an island. We rely on customers, suppliers, employees, community members, uh, and other stakeholders. And when we treat them well in a compassionate and caring way, they tend to respond in a similar way. There is a famous law in social psychology that is called the law of reciprocity or the principle of reciprocity that was mentioned by the famous scholar Robert Cialdini. And he observed that the law of reciprocity is quite simple. When you treat people in a supportive way, they tend to respond in a similar way. When you treat people in a negative way and caring way, when you treat them in a non-compassionate way, they tend to withdraw, they tend not to cooperate. So treating different individuals, customers, suppliers, employees, community members, business partners, in a compassionate way, bring about stronger relationship, but also much more business activities. Because when you treat, for example, you treat customer in a compassionate way, you are caring with them and you select the best product for them to have the highest value, the better, the, the best price. This customer is more prone to come back, but also this customer is more prone to recommend your company to other potential customers, what we call prospects. Instead, when you treat customer in a non-compassionate way, you focus only on your profit. You don't care for what they want. This customer is less prone to come back and also might leave even negative reviews online, which will push other potential customers away. The same applies to employees. You mentioned employees are so important. Employees are the interface between the company and different external stakeholders. Yeah. If employees feel that they're not paid a good salary, they feel that they're not, for example, recognized, it's not only about the money, recognized in a very kind way for their contribution, for example, with a thank you note, or for example, celebrating with an event for the contribution that this employee made to this business project. This employee might feel that they don't count, they don't matter for to this organization. And so this employee, when they have the opportunity, they will look for other job positions. Why? Because they don't feel that they are being valued, appreciated. So I always tell my clients, appreciation is a very simple and straightforward way to care for these valuable stakeholders. Well, and, and, and you and you outlined it, and I mean, it is a simple process if, if so a company wants to do it. A simple thank you note, a simple thank you note to your customers for the order. I mean, I, I handwrite notes all the time and send them to my clients, right? Instead of an email, it's impersonal, right? We, we email in business all the time, but a handwritten note, and, and it was interesting when, when we were in the thick of COVID and I saw this book and I've got one of them sitting here. Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab it. It's called Stay Positive, Encouraging Quotes and Messages to Fuel Your Life with Positive Energy. And, and the, um, I can show this to you. <laughs> uh, doesn't work quite work. And um, and I really was empowered by this and, and it made me feel good and, and, and give me that positive outlook. So I bought a bunch of them and I started sending them to clients, to new people that I had met, to partners. And, you know, that one little gesture 
really ingrained in, in a lot of thank yous. And, and I had some people telling me now they were giving them to their employees. And, and so it doesn't take much to, to do that. And there's a, a gentleman in, in London um, and his company's called uh, Friday Pulse. I don't know if you've heard of them. And, and they basically, their business is about happiness okay. along with the line. So he has actually a, as a program that, that they take to monitor the happiness of their employees. So to your point, there, there is so much energy into understanding that, that people are not commodities, right? They're, they're a, a valuable asset to the business. If you lose a key employee, especially the cost of, of replacement is outrageous compared to the cost that, you know, they bring them on board. So true, but you see many companies that treat employees like cogs in a machinery uh, system, and this is not good. So they treat employees, as you say, as commodities. This is not good. Employees don't, don't want to feel the, this way. But also, I want to highlight, you are so true with what you said. There is some research on this that observed two authors, Barsade and O'Neill, that observed that workplaces, work environment that are loving, supportive, they tend to bring about higher employee satisfaction, higher customer satisfaction, lower employee turnover, lower employee absenteeism, lower stress levels, and all these indicators impact positively on, on the bottom line, which means profit. So this means that being supportive to others, not only strengthen relationship with them, but at the same time bring about economic benefit for the company. So it's not only about compassion, but we saw that you can be compassionate, human-oriented, and also profitable. So we don't have to only focus on one of these two aspects, but also both can be possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, um, you have mentioned and, I, and, I, and, and I've talked about in the past, and you not mentioned today, but I think in your book, uh, we talk about employee burnout and, and work-life balance. We, I mean, that is the holy grail, right? We, is, we talk about it. We hear about it. People want it. But so many times it's just out of reach that people don't understand what that work-life balance is can do for somebody and do for your employees and do for you personally. And so how do you work with your companies in, in, in both setting up this to help them achieve for their, their, their clients, their customers, their employees, this work-life balance? Very important question. So first off, stress, we know that it's very bad for any type of performance because stress, when people get the stress, they tend to adopt a free five fly mode what impairs temporarily their thinking skills, their creative skills. People are stressed are less creative, less innovative. So we know this. And also people that are tired, they, they focus only on basic things. They, they cannot make an elaborate discerning on, on specific things. So what I, I suggest the company that I advise on this is to have a very important life balance. So employees should work a maximum time that is determined in some cases by law, but in some cases, in the case of pandemics, employees have some challenges. They need flexible time. In some cases, they need to start later. In some cases, they, in some cases, they can work some days part-time. I always advise companies to be caring with these employees because in this uh, pandemic, employees tend to be much more sensitive, much more anxious, much more fearful, and also continually get in contact because in some cases, there is a lot of social distancing, but there, is, there shouldn't be emotional distancing. We should be connected. We should develop trust and cooperation bond with these employees. Employees, you said, is one of the most important resources in this company. I don't like to use, to use the word resources because resources are to be used 
and in some cases abuse. Employees are a very important way to achieve the objectives of any company. Employees are the one developing new products. Employees are the one dealing with customers. Employees are the one solving problems. If we do not care for them, they're not robots. They're not robots that they can work uh, in, a, in a very unlimited way. They have their need. They have physical need. They need to have a rest. I always advise companies that give, for example, every half an hour. Well, employees should be entitled to have 10 minutes break. Employees should have also not only a business conversation, but they should have any other type of conversation. What I commented about in my book, I call this natural conversation. Conversation about their family, friends, uh, their pastime. There should be, at least I always suggest some companies that are, uh, they have a very stressful uh, work environment. I always suggest that they should, for example, have one social event a month so that they can uh, employees can let their hair down they can relate on a personal level this event could be virtual now and could be obviously employees won't talk about budgeting or costing or anything that relates to business but they will talk about their dreams their expectation their challenges in the, the past the, their experiences the so anything that is personal because employees are not only rational as many companies Will, will think about them, but also they have emotional aspect, they have physical aspect, spiritual aspect, social aspect that are as important as this rational aspect that are continually uh, demanded by companies to think about problems, solve problems. So I always suggest natural conversation intertwined with business conversation, but also giving employees time to reflect. When employees have tight deadlines or they're pressurized, they cannot think clearly. There is a myth that many employees can multitask. Multitask is a myth and no companies should be demanding employees to do many things at the same time. So employees should be treated as human beings with legitimate needs that should be acknowledged. You know, there, the one thing I do want to, I want to go back. You talked about we need social distancing, but what we don't need is emotional distancing. And I think that's an extremely important point that, with what we're doing now and, and spending our time zooming, if you will, that uh, it's it's more difficult to connect on a social level, but it's not impossible. And so I, I encourage you know my listeners to to do that and really think about how that's done, certainly in a, a safe way. And I know some of my friends, including myself, we've been going out golfing and we've been you know sitting outside and 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 social distancing, but getting in front of each other a little bit more, but being being safe about it. So I think that's a great point that there is that back to that striking that balance. I do want to ask you though, in, in the companies that you deal with, are, are they in, in looking at this, this consciousness, business consciousness, if you will, here we go. Is it more European, more American? Do American companies tend to be less or more resistant to this kind of approach than than European countries or Asian con uh, companies? Yes, I will say very. It's a very good question. I will say that uh, to put it simply, you have two type of cultural environments. Cultural environment that we call these high context cultural environments. For example, okay, countries in South Asia are high context cultural environment that are more prone to be community oriented. They're more prone to be less individualistic and they're more prone to, for example, celebrate the achievement collectively of the group. And then you have some countries that are uh, belong to the Western Hemisphere that we call these individualistic countries, low context countries, that they focus much more on facts. They focus much more on what we call individual achievement, uh, not so much on relationships, uh, not so much, for example, on uh, 
collective achievement but individual achievement. So you see that, for example, a case will be of individualistic country or set of country will be the UK or America. But also in the case of China or Japan will be much more community oriented. So what I observe that the principles that I'm teaching and, and training people on, uh, these principles uh, are much more likely to be accepted by companies that are from the Eastern tradition. This means that countries that are much more community oriented, that much more collectivistic, we call this, uh, instead of the countries that tend to be much more individualistic, tend to be much more focused on uh, personal development, uh, goal orientation, individual goal orientation. So, but uh, in practice, we can say that this principle, because not so many companies apply this principle, in some cases you find a lot of resistance. They will say, how you can talk about love if we're talking about business? And I try to tell them, we're not talking about the limited connotation of love, the love that you feel for your family, friend, or partner. That This is a good connotation of love, but we're talking about a much wider connotation of love, which implies compassion, empathy, support, care, generosity, gratitude, and this is a much more humanistic approach on love, and this can apply to business relationship and non-business one. Now they understand that it is a wider approach on love, it's not the love that we limit to our inner circle, and they feel that also the, the, this, there is a potential to be much more supportive, to be much more caring with its employees, but as I mentioned, companies that are from the eastern hemisphere are more likely to accept these these tenets these principles as compared to the one that are in the western hemisphere okay so actually that was a great segue because we're talking about love in the context and, and really as you meant compassion empathy support caring uh generosity gratitude and i think uh, affection is is in there as well so these are a lot of touchy-feely kinds of things Right. And, and kind of the conversation that we're having is a lot of businesses tend to think about facts, tend to think about profits. And, and now we're talking to them or you are talking to them about this broader concept of, of, of love in the sense of being empathetic to, again, back to our conversation, employees and vendors and all these kinds of things. So when you're when you first start to or maybe just give me a story. When you first start to work with a company on this concept to get them to think differently, tell me a story of something of one of your clients that that really grasped it, and then and it, and then maybe one that didn't quite grasp it. Okay, okay, I can tell you a story without disclosing the name of the company because Absolutely. of agreements of confidentiality. I can comment about a company that was focused only on profit, and the company was very traditional, was thriving in the traditional way of business, but they have potential for a bigger growth. And also I, I gave training online and the company was a bit reluctant at the beginning, but was obviously was open to, to training, non-traditional training, I will call this. And what I observed that the, because there is a lot of uh, team and group dynamics, employees, uh, when, when going through exercise, for example, a very simple exercise, what you appreciate regarding this colleague? What the, what what can you how can you appreciate the contribution from this colleague this is a very simple question that many people don't ask themselves when they're working in a specific uh, work environment so and i saw that the 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 climate the the energy of this workplace change was shifted uh, and was obviously improved and people start recognizing the value of each other because also within the work environment we need each other not only that the company needs suppliers need a, a customer need a business partner, but every employee needs each other. 
they need to work as a team. They need to mm-hmm. achieve the objective collectively. What I observe that after a very short training, we deliver generally short training, not longer than a day. Uh, well, the employees uh, start recognizing not only the needs of others, but also treating each other in a much compassionate, much more compassionate way, but also uh, finding commonalities. This is important because in the business environment, you have different roles, you have different functions, different uh, job specification, and these tend to separate. But in practice, what all employees want? In practice, they want to feel that their their their, their contribution counts, matters. They, they are contributing to a meaningful purpose. And we found that even with different backgrounds, different approaches, different functions, different from different departments, employee could uh, find this common ground. So common ground is important to create this sense of communion. And even CEOs, there were people also from a human resources uh, department that are very traditional in many cases, they understood that it's not only about applying techniques because many companies what they do they try to uh, give me the strategy give me the the, the tactics to to go through this or give give me the way to approach this the strategic approach but here we are talking about principles principles that are very important qualities or values that are timeless can be applied now can be applied in the future 20 years time later on and this will be the same principle will apply we shouldn't even be talking about this principle because they are so commonplace and, and, and common sense and what I observe also, also when in the training we back everything with research. When I show the research of what what companies do in practice when they apply this principle and how they can achieve a, a bigger, bigger uh, business project and, and much more profit and get a mar- better mar- market share. Well, not only they were convinced because of experiencing these exercises, but also at the same time this was validated by serious research, example of companies. So there are many examples of companies that are, I can give you an example of very famous companies, not my client, that is uh, Patagonia. Patagonia is a clothes company that is so compassionate that they have childcare for employees. So when employees go to work, they don't have to worry about childcare. Why? Because this is paid by the company. Employees have to work without worry what happened with the childcare and this is making things easier. When employees feel at ease, what we call in science, a psychological safety, they can give their best. They can go the extra mile. Instead, when employees are treated like a cox in a, a machine, they feel that they're commodities. They will try to work by the book, the minimum possible. They might get stressed. And if they get too stressed, they will look for other opportunities. So I feel that uh, showing in practice, the, uh, we try to do a lot of group dynamics and also uh, showing back in this with research, uh, make companies and, and employees more aware that this is possible. And also explain, explaining how important it is to treat customer in a, in a compassionate way. Also, we have a training that is called compassionate customer uh, relationships. And we explain that it's not about selling products to customer. We explain that it's about serving customer. Instead of using the selling mode, which is focused on the company, we try to add value to this customer. We try to solve problems for them. And the only way to solve problems is, first of all, to know w- what the problems are about. So to know their needs, to know their expectation, to focus on them, not on us. Yeah, well, th- that's an important point because I, I always, it, it's kind of been my mantra for years, and that's know your customer. Good. If you don't know the needs, wants, and the behaviors and, and the psychology of, of who you're selling to, 
you, it is just a, a, an exchange of goods for services, yet you're trying to build a relationship and make it much, much broader. And I think, you know, uh, you talked about companies bringing uh, daycare and things on and, there, and there's and I've worked for several or met my clients and I know others that work for companies that do that. And I think that becomes a, a much more important dynamic because to your point, it's about caring. It's about serving. It's about taking care of. But so when you come in and do your training and, and do all this, and there's certainly a, a time period, but then that then you walk out the door. That means somebody inside needs to be the champion. And typically, who is that champion? Because HR tends to, to be more traditional in nature versus, you know, upper management. But who who runs that? I mean, I assume that you, um, you know, you, you have continual contact with the client, you know, just disappear. Yeah. But somebody on the day to day basis has to, to be that champion. Who is that champion? Generally, generally, it could be the human resources department. Human resources department, generally, they are a full of people that are open-minded. So especially new generations that are much more open-minded and less traditional, much more innovative. But could be any, because I will tell you, many of my clients come by recommendation from other clients. So in some cases, it could be that a friend talk about to another friend about this type of training and this was recommended to the CEO or the manager. So in some cases, the entry point can come from any any anywhere because uh, what is important is that should be one employee that is interested in this type of principles can create positive ripple effects. And also, it's only it's a very short training, so nothing to lose, uh, no string attached, it's not a training that will take many months. So companies find this very accessible and find this that they don't have anything to, to lose and will be more to, to, to gain from this type of training. So I feel that it's important, but human resources the department, I find that they're very open-minded. Here, for example, in the UK, they're very open-minded because they have all type of traditional training, but also they have non-traditional training. For example, mindfulness, meditation. You see Tai Chi, that many companies teaching uh, non-traditional disciplines to employees, and this is very good because employees shouldn't be focusing only on business. They're not only business people. Above all, they're people. They're not only business people. They're more than this. They're people. And we don't focus on the people. And we focus only on the role or on the function. We are limiting this employee. The role is very limited way to approach an employee. It's very important for business, but we have the, the human being. Employee, when they go to the work environment, they don't leave their emotion outside. They don't leave their personal and family problem outside. Even they try to do. But we are complex beings. We are holistic beings, which implies physical things, physical aspect, emotional aspect, spiritual aspect, social aspect. What do, you, what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about your service and people working with you, right? Because it, it, it is a, con, a concept someone has to eventually embrace. So, but, so what's misunderstood when somebody approaches you about what you do? Yeah, what is misunderstood is that some people believe that it's not related to business. And also, some people believe that it's soft and related to soft skills. My opinion on soft skills, wrongly called soft, skill, soft skills, that are as important as any other type of skills. First off, but when I relate this to some concept like emotional intelligence, I mentioned, for example, in the during the training, Daniel Goleman, the author of the book Emotional Intelligence, who observed that emotional intelligence is to recognize our own emotion and express them over three, but also developing more compassionate and loving relationship with others and explain that this can be applied to business too 
And when I back also with different uh, author from research and also give example of companies, this misunderstanding tend to dissipate gradually. But obviously, some people believe that this is probably in some cases woo-woo knowledge or a new age knowledge, but it's related to a very important uh, new science that is called positive psychology. Positive psychology that observe many, many research on studies on this, observe that when you think in a positive way, when you treat people in a positive way, you are more prone to generate better ideas, generate a better environment, and obviously tend to focus on what can be done, not what you can be hindered. So uh, this is also backed by science. So I feel that what, where companies are getting convinced is when they back this by science and by example. So it's not only my opinion. In the book, I include a lot of examples and references about science that is backing each of my assertions. I try not to make this arbitrary because this was have been researched for a while. I'm not the first one on research, researching on this. So I feel that, it, but there is always a bit of resistance at the beginning because many companies are so traditional and so focused on the bottom line, not the triple bottom line. And they might find this a bit challenging. But being mm -hmm. traditional, you cannot be traditional in this current era. You have to be innovative because if you're not innovative, other companies will do. So other companies are more prone to take on this innovation trend. Sure. And, and you know, prior to, to COVID and, and unemployment, at least here in the United States and I think around the world, it was too easy for people to jump ship, right? If, if it come, and there were, their expectations were not being met by the corporation, it would be easy to just go change jobs. And so I, I, I think that there is a, 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 there needs to be a better understanding about the needs and wants of the employees as well um, as we've been talking about, you know, one of the things that I, 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 when I think about what we're talking about today and the responsibility within the organization and, and being more business conscious, it really goes back to then what is the focus of, of the mission, right? That, that should be part of the mission statement, if you will, of, of the, of the company, which sometimes requires them to go back and readjust. And so when you're working with, with your clients, I mean, do you help them re redefine their mission statement? In many cases, yes, so true. I was thinking about this very good question. So yes, because the mission from the conscious perspective should be meaningful. But meaningful doesn't mean only meaningful from the economic perspective or standpoint. This means getting profit, selling more products, or getting much more market share. This is important because we saw economic aspects are important not only for business survival, but also for business success. But also there should be other aspects. So the mission should be related to this triple bottom line. How we impact on economic, for example, parameters in a positive way, profit, market share, sale, how we impact on people, individual employees, customers, suppliers, and how we impact, for example, on the planet. So mission should have economic aspect linked to the mission and also non-economic aspect. But I observe that many companies have difficulty to show employees how they are contributing individually to the mission. And this is important for companies to have frequent meetings, let's say once every two weeks, to show that their actions mattered to the achievement of this mission. This means that there is a link between individual action that are performed on a daily basis and the big purpose, why we are here in this market. So I this think we... I think what you just said is really important. I, when I'm developing a marketing plan, I always write an internal marketing plan because if the employees don't understand what they're trying to achieve, if they don't understand what the business is trying to achieve and their contribution. I, I love that you said that because it is so important that everybody needs to understand 
how they contribute, that what they do has some impact on the business, not only on the business, it has impact on other people. You know, I, 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 I kind of frame this as the sales guy wants to bring in a million dollar order. Well, the million dollar order can't be fulfilled or can be fulfilled, but it impacts manufacturing. It impacts inventory. It impacts accounting. It may impact HR because they got to go buy, get more people to come on board. So it, it isn't just sales. The silos have to come down and it is a team sport, not a not an individual sport when we're thinking about business, because every step, success or failure, mistake or non-mistake has an impact on everyone within the organization. And, and so I really push and talk about this because I think it's so important that we take this holistic view. And that's actually a statement I use, the holistic view of the organization. I like, I like this view. We call it systematic or systemic approach. This means that every part of the company were like a components of a system. They're all interconnected and they will make sense of the whole. So this means that they're all contributing to the whole. And they're all necessary to the whole. But also, you are so right. Uh, employees should not only know that the company is uh, obviously um, linked to a, a meaningful mission, but also at the same time, when a company have a, a, minimal, a meaningful mission, this company is more likely to attract talented people. Mm -hmm. Try to retain talented people too, and also trying to bring about much more customer satisfaction because there is a new generation of customers that are only focusing on a, a customer this customer are focusing on profit by um, products that are bringing about profits but some customers are focusing on companies that are conscious this means that they try to benefit companies that are supporting the environment that are uh, caring for people so when companies are meaningful with their mission they tend to attract better customers attract better employees and also the community tend to support this company in a better way. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, we are we are starting to come down to the end here. So I have really one more question for you. What inspires you? What what gets you out of bed in the morning every day? What, what What's that inspiration that drives you? Well, uh, what inspired me is uh, my passion is to spread the word uh, and to spread the word in different circles. In some cases, I train organizations that are much more related to the academic sector, for example, university. In other cases, I train companies that are more related to a different sector, like primary sector, secondary sector, or services, but uh, spreading the word, because I feel that this is so important for me, recognizing the human being as the building brick of any business activity. And I feel that this is not is so obvious for many companies. I want to spread this word as much as possible. This gets me passionate in the morning and also get me very willing to continue working on this and keep on researching on this and keep on training companies on this. But also spreading the word is fundamental. And also, hopefully, my little contribution to this field will make some ripple effects that can change and can create some shift in the work and business environment. Yeah, it's like uh, dropping the rock in the in the pond and watching the ripple effect. And, and some mm -hmm. of it's short term, some of it's long term. I mean, uh, it's not easy to steer a big ship and turn it around. And uh, I think that a lot of corporations are, are especially now, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as we continue in this, this environment and as we start to come out of it and how businesses will operate differently 
and how they've done through this COVID environment. But but what'll happen? How long will they continue? When will they make that shift? And and to me, if to follow what we've been talking about, they should be, and hopefully they are, and hopefully you listeners are doing this, really embracing your employees. Because again, as we sit isolated and get into our own heads and our own worries, that that social emotional distancing that we talked about becomes so important to make sure that you're not letting them get too far away and, and that they still stay engaged and feel part and, and of, of the organization. So true, so true. I think that this pandemic is like, a, a, like many authors will call this the big reset. This means that we're resetting what we know about business that was important in the past. And there is a new view, a new paradigm on how to do business. I feel that this will bring us much more together. I feel that after this pandemic, hopefully we'll finish soon, uh, we will see companies that are not only focused on the traditional principle of business, like uh, what we call this the quantitative aspect of business, but we'll try to focus also on the human humanity or humanness of business. So because I feel that we recognize that all these challenges of, from the pandemic uh, cannot take away what is important for us, affinity, connection to others, <clears throat> and also developing these bonds that we you cannot dismiss these bonds. So even with the social, social distancing and with the technology, people keep on being related to one another and this cannot be taken away even with the, the, the biggest uh, social distancing. Yeah, well, fantastic. This has been a, a really inspiring and uh, informational, educational, and I, I hope that my listeners will take away um, this, this idea turning love, if you will, into a point of, of an aspect for business, because I think it's so important that there is a fundamental and a, a dynamic that's shifting into the marketplace. We always talk about digital transformation. I think this is an emotional transformation that needs to happen as well, because as we get more digital, we also spend less time as well together. So, so again, I think this is an important factor for, for the future. And also, I want listeners to be aware that everything is interdependent. So. When you're working for a company, you are depending on others to succeed. And a company itself is depending on others to succeed. This is probably the most important principle that I want you to remember. So no company can succeed on its own. No employee can succeed on its own. Supporting one another benefit not only this employee, but also other employees and the whole group. So we have to focus much more on the whole than on the individual. Bruno, so why don't you tell the audience how they can contact you, your website, uh, all the stuff you want to let them know. Okay, okay. Well, if they want to know more about me, they can check my two websites, www.brunosignaco.com or www.humanorientedenterprise.com or they can check my new book, The Art of Compassionate Business, offline or online. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us at the cafe today. If your business needs a CMO or a senior level marketer, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim or consulting services. You can visit theponzagroup.com. You can find a variety of resources, blogs, videos, eBooks. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or give me a call. I'm happy to talk to you. Lastly, if you're a subscriber to this show, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if you are, please let others know about this show and encourage them to sign up so they can benefit of the great content like we heard today with Bruno. 
You can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or subscribe on any podcast platform you like to listen to. And don't forget to join me next week here at the Business Growth Cafe. Bruno, thank you so much. Thank you for your invite. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.